This is a main hustle media podcast. It sounds like one of the names they would have for a monarch. It's like Queen Javia the first, black radical queer, queer Negro women. All the way from the A, you listen to my favorite lesbian on BRQ. I'm my black girl magic voodoo shit with the bamboo earrings on some new new shit. I'm new when this money asking who this bitch. I'm the bitch with the pussy with the judo Hey y'all, this is Javi Nicole, aka your favorite lesbian, and you're listening to Black Radical Queer Podcast, our stories on our own terms. Hey y'all, I know it has been quite a while, but um, it's about that time to jump back in and get an episode out to you all. So um, I'll just do a little, I guess, quick update. I did do a live that's a live audio on Facebook, but I had never actually seen that option before. So I'm pretty sure if it's kind of like new to me, it's probably new to other folks. And I don't think a lot of people saw it. So yeah, anyway, so I'll just kind of bring y'all up to speed a little bit about what's been going on, why I took my little break. And um, today is just going to be me. Um, yeah. So that I can just kind of uh, talk to y'all because it's been a while and I actually really do miss doing the podcast. Um, it's been difficult taking this little break, but um, sometimes life just happens like that. So, yeah. So I went out of town. Um, I had to go home to Atlanta. Um, my grandma passed. So yeah, so I was there about a week and a half. I just had to help with arrangements and, you know, do the service and stuff. And so of course it was very, very, um, bittersweet because it was the sweet part was of course getting to see family and friends. And, um, that was really nice. But of course the bitter part is, you know, my grandmother passed and, um, my grandmother for me was like my other parent really, because her and my mom really raised us. Um, so yeah, so that was difficult but um in the midst of that trip I got sick (laughs) so to just you know add some more to the situation um then yeah so I actually still have like a little lingering cough it's just a hot mess um so I took the initial week off because of you know the service with my grandma and then after that I planned to record and then I got sick so I was coughing um my voice sounded a mess So I was just like, yeah, I guess I can't record. (laughs) And um, so despite the lingering cough, I'm still recording today because um, it's just time. I really want to, you know, get back into the swing of things. And I appreciate everyone who has hit me up. Um, It means a lot that, you know, people actually um, went back and listened to previous episodes and that, you know, folks reach out to me and offer condolences and just, you know, let me know that they missed the podcast and miss listening to my crazy self. So that is um, that was really humbling and really awesome to get that feedback. So I appreciate you guys. Um, So, yeah, so that's what's been going on with me. And today I really just wanted to do another episode where I kind of just touch on some things that caught my attention. Um yeah, just as I've been browsing Facebook and Twitter and just, you know, those basic social media things, some things have stood out to me. There's this one, one story in particular, y'all. And I really felt like, um, I don't know if y'all have seen on Family Guy, like Peter does this thing where where he's like, you know, what really grinds my gears. That's what I felt like when I saw this post. Okay. 
Um, it was a hot mess. So it really made me feel some kind of way, honestly and truly. Because um, I'm just like, <sighs> it was just a problem. So let me actually pull up this post so I can share it with y'all because it really had me <laughs> feeling some kind of way. So, yeah. All right. So this post says, and I won't read the whole thing because it is kind of long. I'll try to give y'all the gist of it. Actually, you know what? I'll just read it. Why not? So this says Georgia Democrats gather round. Let me tell you a story. White women are not your friends. Now, this is a post. Um, this chick is a white woman. So just so that y'all know. All right. Georgia Democrats gather round. Let me tell you a story. White women are not your friends. But blank. I won't even mention her name. But blank. You're a white woman. Actually. I will mention her name. <laughs> I know I keep going back. All right. I guess her name is Jamie. All right. But Jamie, you're a white woman. Yes. Yes, I am. I have zero street cred. I am fluent in no other language. I've walked through my entire 31 years only knowing the perspective of a white girl in the South. The only other countries I've ever visited are in Europe. That's where they store all the other white people. I know white women who are struggling to get the health care they need, but they still voted for Kemp despite the Medicaid expansion that might literally save their life only being offered by Abrams. I know white women aren't racist, but voted for Kemp because Abrams was unqualified despite spending her career in the state Congress. I don't know why these women vote against their own best interest. I don't know why the shitty things the GOP are doing, both personally and professionally, aren't repulsive to them. I can't explain it to you any more than I can convince them they're shooting themselves in the foot. I can't fix them, but I'm sick and tired of it. Black women, it is up to you to shoulder this burden. It's not fair. I hate it. No one has any right to ask it of you. You absolutely should not be put in this position. But I swear you aren't doing this alone. This is your party now. I may be the exception to the white women rule, but I'm not a unicorn. There are more of me. You tell me when and where to show up and help you save us from all this train wreck. And help you save us all from this train wreck. And I promise I'll be there and bring every pasty liberal I can find with me. We'll probably be blasting punk rock when we roll up, but we'll be there. So let me just start by saying hell to the no, no, hell no, 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 no. All right. So this is in response to um, kind of like the polls breakdown, the voting breakdown by race and gender or by race and sex. But uh, for the race between Abrams and Kemp and apparently 76 percent of white women voted for Kemp. Um, OK. <clears throat> Actually, more white women voted for Kemp than white men. That's interesting to me. But anyway, um, y'all, this is a hot ass mess. I got a fucking problem. All right. So my response. Because I did do a written comment <laughs> because I read this and I was like, hell no. So my response was. We are not your mules. Nope. Nah. No. Hell no. We are expected to labor for y'all with no reciprocity, no respect for our humanity, co-opting our culture and our movements. Hell no. Y'all do the work on your own and stop asking us for shit. Buffering it with an apology does not make it better. Stop digging holes, falling in them and expecting our black asses to pull you out. I don't see y'all taking those bullets for us when we're getting gunned down in the streets. Hell to the na na. Now. What really, a few things pissed me off about this, right? 
But um, something that pissed me off about this was that I hate how anytime a white person says something that is even remotely humane, even remotely um, decent, they just get all kinds of invites to the fucking cookout. They get celebrated and praised for the most basic shit. It really is this celebration of mediocrity, even less than mediocrity. Okay, so that really it pisses me off. Every manifestation of it that I see pisses me off because white people can do less than the bare minimum. And I mean, if they, you know, say the most basic thing, my favorite color is black. Oh, you you one of us. You can come to the cookout. Let me fix you a plate. Are you kidding? It's fucking ridiculous. It is so infuriating and just irritating as fuck that that is what the discourse is. So, of course, on this post by Jamie, um, people are commenting like, yes, and, you know, you could definitely come to the cookout and blow. And I'm like, are you serious? In here, she's saying black women. It is up to you to shoulder this burden. It's not fair. I hate it. No one has any right to ask it of you. You absolutely should not be put in this position. But you're just saying it's up to you. So this is the bullshit that pisses me off because you're saying, oh, well, we shouldn't ask you this, but it's on you. Save us. Ain't nobody out here trying to save our black asses. But Jamie is like, oh, black women, it's up to you. You're the great black hope. Like, we need you to save us. We're fucking up. I can't do anything to change my peers because she's saying basically oh no matter what I say my peers other white women are not going to listen to me they're not going to change their minds so black women it's on you it's this entitlement to the labor of black people it's particularly black women because we get it the most there is this entitlement to our physical mental and emotional labor that is so sickening to me so disgusting to me and so um so unacceptable and instead of being outraged by this people are celebrating it talking about yeah girl you can come to the cookout and all this kind of stuff now mind you she's a white woman and she's saying and she starts off the post by saying white women are not your friends so you're like oh well you know i'll join you in this fight it's up to you black women i'll join you i'll get whoever i can but you already said white women are not your friends We have seen time and time again, I talked about this on another episode, um, but we've seen time and time again, white women are going to put their um, their whiteness before their womanhood, period. Like, I don't know how many examples, how many manifestations of this that we need to see to believe it, but it's just facts. Even looking at the voting breakdown, it was saying that 70 was 76 percent of white women voted for Kemp. Versus 73% of white men. Hell, so white women are putting their whiteness first. In some ways, even more than white damn men. So it's like, it doesn't make sense to me that we get this little thing, you know, by this person saying, oh, well, black, you know, folks, we need, I don't, I, I honestly don't see why we would even take that as a compliment. Why are people taking it as a good thing that she's saying? She's not saying anything good. She's saying black women, we can't, we need you to do the work. You're the only ones who can get it done. That's not a compliment. That's saying you're a good laborer. You're a good worker. So come in and work. The fuck? (sighs) So mind you, on the same breakdown, it shows that 97% of black women voted for Abrams. 
black women are doing the work. So this expectation that we um, be mules, you know, is so ridiculous. And I know that it's insidious and I know where it comes from and I know, you know, all the kind of stuff. But it just what really just made me feel some kind of way was just the response. The fact that she's getting fucking cookies and gold stars and pats on the back. And I'm like, y'all, this is not a positive thing. This is not good that this person is saying, hey, white women ain't your friends. All right. We need y'all to do the work, though. Like, come on, black women, do the work. We ain't your friends, though, but but save us. Like, what the fuck? And then folks are like, oh, yeah, clapping for her and, you know, saying, oh, yeah, you get a, um, an invite to the cookout. I just don't understand why the bare minimum is celebrated. I just don't understand. So. And then people are agreeing, like, yeah, we have to get more, more people of color to vote. There's no other option. Okay. Well, this particular person said more black and Hispanic people. Now, first of all, Jamie didn't mention Hispanic people at all. She specifically said black women. It's on you. Black women save us. So that's this other thing about non-black people of color. Um, They also will do that thing of co-opting our struggle, our oppression and lumping themselves into certain things like, oh, we have to get. But that's not that's not even what this is referring to. This she specifically called out black women. So and then Jamie later on says. This post took off. I've gotten a lot of support. Thank yous and cookout invites. Y'all, I think we'll make it through this nonsense. Blah, 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 blah. All right. Then somebody going to come in and say, just saw your post. Damn right. You're invited to the cookout. Hell, we might let you be the lead dancer doing an electric slide. Great freaking post and keep spreading the good word. What? I just. I just can't. And she's like, oh, I'm going to be cashing in on all these plates real soon. Thanksgiving is right around the corner. Um, It's just so interesting to me. This is so interesting to me. I wish that um, I just wish that this was not the case. I wish that mediocrity was not that white mediocrity was not celebrated. So and I don't see any negative comments. And I feel like there probably were some and they're deleted. I know what my comment. I read you guys my comment and I don't see it on there. So it probably was deleted because I'm not with the shit. Uh, I'm just not. So I feel like my comment got deleted, but that's fine. Um, So, yeah, that's something that uh, that irritated me that happened this week. That post was from uh, last Wednesday. Yeah, that really aggravated me. So speaking of uh, black women being expected to be laborers, um, this is I was reading this article. So, you know, how every now and then these little random articles will pop up on Facebook. And it was one talking about customer service. It was like um, experiences of customer service folks um, with customers. And it was basically saying how the expression is the customer is always right. But it was just saying um, like stories that counter that stories that prove that the customer is not always right. So this one story and this is going to seem, I guess, unrelated or random, but I'll yeah, I'll just come back because it, it, it it's like another one of those things that pissed me off about black women being expected to do shit. So anyway, um, so there was um, this employee who worked at a pizza place and they said they had some people in line. And then um, this woman was in line. She ordered her pizza. She um, had like a really nasty attitude. And um, she told them, I don't know, she was just it was like a white lady and she was being really um, classist and just talking down to the employees or whatever. And I'm like, OK, but you come in here to eat like I already got issues with people who um are shitty to like service industry folks i'm just like don't do it so anyway yeah so she was being a bitch basically and apparently there was a black woman in line behind her so um the 
customer service or the cashier or whatever, the cashier um, after the white lady walks off or whatever. So they're talking to the black lady. It's a black lady in line. And she's like, oh, that was really um, rude and disrespectful of her. You know, I'm sorry you guys had to deal with that. Instead of just accepting, um, you know, what the black lady said and just be like, you know, it happens, whatever, whatever. They then recruit her and ask her to basically, um, they basically tell her if she goes off on the white lady, they will give her her pizza for free. Okay, so just pump the brakes. First of all, what the fuck kind of business practice is that? So you telling me at a place of business, you have a, an employee who's telling a customer, hey, if you go off on this other customer, I'll give you something for free. That's a fucking problem. And then I just wonder, has she been, has she not been black? Would they have asked that of her? Now, mind you, I say I wonder, but I don't really wonder because I know that I know very well that that would not have been the case. They would not have asked her to do that shit if she was not black. But because she's a black woman and we're laborers, you know, because we exist to just work for everybody. That's that's what our purpose is in life. We were created to be mules, obviously. So they asked her to do this, um, you know, to do this labor. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? So it's a very different <coughs> It's a very different situation from, you know, that post that the Jamie chick was um, saying or whatever in terms of voting. But it's the same sentiment. It's the same expectation of black women to do physical, mental, emotional labor. Um, so, yeah, that really irritated me. I'm like, instead of just using the proper avenues, like let your supervisor, your manager, somebody know and deal with this woman. You're asking a customer to get involved in a situation that did not involve her. And that just really pissed me off. So, um, yeah, I just really um, am tired of that being the narrative of we work, work, work. We're expected to be the, you know, the laborers for all people. And that that same recurring theme comes up in so many aspects of life. I mean, I've been I remember one time I was at work. I used to work at a call center and we made a lot of political phone calls. And so a lot of times we would get into these conversations. We had to debrief on different um, campaigns. So um, but we worked on a lot of um, fundraising for a lot of charities and for some political uh, things and blah, blah, blah. So we would go uh, debrief and we would get our campaign information and talk about it or whatever. So I remember we got this campaign thing and it was like for um Hillary. And so I'm like rolling my eyes. I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't want to call. I hope they don't put me on this campaign because I don't want to call for her ass. Um, so, yeah, so we were doing all that. And um, so I remember some topic coming up and I was just like, I'm not having that conversation with anybody because they were talking to us about how to deal with certain uh, comments or whatever from uh, from folks on the phone and just that kind of thing. And I'm just like, well, if those kinds of things can come up, I'm not dealing with them. Because I'm not about to go into this whole quote unquote teachable moment type of thing with people. If somebody says something racist, I'm not dealing with their racist ass, period. Like I'll hang up the phone. I'm not about to try to turn it into a teachable moment. And a coworker of mine, a white woman, tried to be, you know, tried to kind of like say, oh, well, you know, it's important to educate people and, you know, they may not know and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, listen here, it's not my fucking problem. If you want to educate, you want to talk to your folks. White girl, you want to talk to your people? You talk to them. I'm not a teacher. It's not my uh, my responsibility to teach nobody, really. Now, if I choose to do that labor, that's on me. But it is not, no one is entitled to that. It is not a requirement that I do it. 
and I had been doing it for so long. I was like, I'm not doing that shit no more. I'm not giving out free labor. They want some lessons. They better pay me. That was my perspective. And, you know, so she was all like on this education, education. I was like, you do that. You talk to your folks. You shoulder that burden. You do that labor. I'm not fucking doing it. And once I said that, of course, my the initial reaction to me is that I'm the angry black bitch because I get that a lot. And I'm fine. I'm like, I'll be that. It is what it is. I got shit to be angry for. So that is what it is. But um, once I told her, I was like, look, it's not my responsibility. I, I feel like I've done more than my fair share of teaching and uh, I'm not doing it. It's labor. Like I'm a fucking tired. <laughs> Someone else can do it. Um, so then, of course, when we were with the group, she's like, you know, trying to argue her point about it being important to um to do this labor and stuff and to educate and blah, 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 blah. But then after the fact, after I went off on her ass, then she want to kind of come to the side and be like, oh, I apologize. I understand. And I'm just thinking, keep that same energy. Like when you was popping off in the group, you should have went ahead and apologized in the group. And that's why I told her, I'm like, the same way that you came at me, you know, basically was saying what you felt like I should and shouldn't do, which ain't for you to dictate in the first place. You should have kept that same energy. And, you know, when you were dead ass wrong, when you realized you were wrong. So I just don't have the patience, y'all, as you can tell. <laughs> um, Yeah. So I just my hope, my hope really for us is that we reclaim our time, <laughs> um, that we reclaim our energy and our labor and that we um, put that energy into ourselves instead of into other people, because we do not get reciprocity. We don't. So we shouldn't feel guilty. We shouldn't feel guilty about saying, you know what, I'm not doing this because when we are on the front lines and when we are in need, we're not getting that same support. We're expected to support everybody for um, everybody's stuff to be on our backs, for us to be like that foundation for everybody's platform um, movement or whatever. But we don't get that at all. And I'm just over it. So I'm just like, I'm not doing it. I don't know about nobody else, but I'm not the one or the two. I'm not doing it. All right. So I know that was kind of a rant. <laughs> That's why I said it was kind of like a, you know, it grinds my gears type of situation because it really, um, uh, y'all, it really just irritated me and pissed me off. That kind of stuff. I'm just like, y'all got us all kinds of fucked up. All right. Um, so I wanted to <laughs> randomly talk about that. See, I was like, I was reading that post. I was seeing this stuff and I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to mention this on the podcast um, because it's a hot mess. And it really does tie back into what I talked about before um, when I did the ap- the episode um, when it was just me by myself. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know. I don't want this to be the common theme. All my episodes by myself or me just like ranting and venting and shit like. Let me tell y'all how they got us fucked up, you know, but it'd be like that sometimes. Um, Yeah. So outside of that, um, circling back to just during my hiatus. um, Yeah, I did get to spend some some quality time with family and friends, which was really nice. And um, something I appreciated was that we had some really um, some crazy conversations, honestly. Um, We also had some really um, meaningful conversations and stuff, too. So I was grateful for that. I was grateful for that quality time. Quality time is like. Um, one of my top love languages. So that was nice. Um, speaking of love languages, if you have not taken that um, that test, that quiz, whatever, please do. They're, they have like the um, love languages, the apology languages. And I think there may be one for appreciation. Um, but yeah, those just being aware of those and knowing what resonates with you and having like a way to explain it to people, I think is really meaningful. Um, so I'm all for it. So anyway, yeah, I got to do that. Um, 
which was really, really helpful in the midst of like grieving and, you know, mourning and stuff. And of course, I'm still um, very much grieving, but I am grateful at the same time that I have the support system that I have, that I have the love that I have. Despite that, that grief, I do have like, other, like positive things going on too. And so I'm grateful for that because I'm, I've talked about in a previous episode, uh, well, probably I'm sure more than one, just about mental health and how I do deal with depression. And before I moved to L.A., I um, so, OK, you all already know I have like um, the persistent depressive disorder um, and I had the, the bout of major depression that I mentioned to you all. When I was in Georgia, I also used to have seasonal depression. Um, so every year around this time, so I'll say like late fall and winter, really winter, I would be depressed every year. Usually I would get sick and I would be depressed. So, um, but since I've been in LA, I actually had not had that happen. I hadn't been getting my usual seasonal sickness and I hadn't been, um, experiencing the seasonal depression. Um, and I just feel like it's because the, the weather's more moderate here, you know, that kind of thing, as opposed to it fluctuating. So it is not a drastic shift. And I feel like that made an impact. However, since I was just in Atlanta for, um, you know, late October, early November, um, I, I feel like that contributed to me getting sick in addition to already just being um, compromised due to like grieving and, and stress and all the kind of stuff. So probably wasn't sl- sleeping the greatest, eating the greatest. So I think it was just like the, the perfect storm for my ass to get sick. Um, but something that um, I appreciate is even in the midst of being sick and all that kind of stuff, I was used to getting the seasonal depression or whatever. Um, I hadn't had it um, since I've been out here except for last year. So um, my first season, my first like holiday season out here in 2015, I felt kind of down because I had just moved because I moved out here in November 2015. But I can't say I got the seasonal depression. Um, in 2016, I didn't. So 2016, I didn't get sick. 2015, I didn't get sick either. So um, I didn't get sick in 2016. I didn't feel the depression or whatever. But 2017, last year, I felt very depressed. And But I don't. I can't say it was seasonal depression. It was just like, I don't know. I think it was just um, dealing with the major depression or whatever. Um, so my point in saying that is that for this year, I'm trying to just approach the season differently because with me having, you know, people who are close to me that have passed and um, already having that predisposition to depression, I'm trying to um, counter it in what ways I can, because I don't want to, um, I don't want to be depressed. Now, of course, despite me having kind of my baseline depression operating, I don't feel like the seasonal depression or major depression or anything. I actually am um, feeling okay, as okay as I can in the midst of grief. I mean, I feel like um, my marriage is going well. I feel like I have a great support system. Like I feel good about those things in my life. So I'm not unhappy, um, but I'm trying to approach the holiday season differently, keeping in mind everything that has taken place. So for instance, I have not decorated in a while. Like I I haven't decorated for the holidays and I can't even tell you the last time. Um, Last year, I was not feeling it at all. Last year, I spent Christmas, I worked and I spent the day at home afterwards by myself. So um, I just wasn't feeling it. So um, yeah, so I'm I'm really trying to do things differently this year. Uh, We've been working on making our place more homey, our apartment. 
um, because we've been here now for three years. And, you know, we were always it was always with that expectation that we would be leaving. So we never really I don't feel like we ever really made it a home. It was just where we live. So now we've been taking these steps to make it more inviting, more warm, more uh, reflective of our personalities and all that kind of stuff. And so now I feel different in space. I used to just like come to my room and go to sleep, you know, or like I, I didn't associate I couldn't say I associated comfort with my bedroom. And now I do because the changes we've made and we um, are just making some, you know, I'm going to be doing some decorating, all that kind of stuff. So I say all that to say, um, I think it's important for us to, when we look at kind of quote unquote, reclaiming our time, as I mentioned, that we do the things that we need to do for ourselves without feeling guilty, without being apologetic. So instead of me being like, so I'm like, okay, one of the things I'm going to do is decorate and all that. We've been cleaning and stuff. So we've like kind of like deep cleaned our apartment, but I want to decorate specifically because I'm like, I want to see um, cheerful things. I want to smell good things. I want to see the decorations. I want for my space to look inviting and to look festive and all that type of stuff. Um, because seeing that does have a, a psychological impact as well. And so instead of me saying to my, you know, I live with my wife and my sister-in-law. So instead of me being like, hey, y'all, you know, oh, like approaching it apologetically, like, oh, well, you know, I was thinking I would do this and I'm sorry if you guys think it's too much, whatever. No, I'm just like, hey, I want to decorate this year. Um, so I want to decorate kind of in general in terms of apartment and I want to actually decorate for Christmas um, or for the holidays, do a tree and blah, blah, blah. I want to do those things. Um Instead of me apologizing for, it, I just told them like, look, usually around this season, I am very depressed. There's a lot of stuff going on. I'm really trying to approach it differently. And um, so this is what I like to do. Do you um, have any input? Do you have any objections? Um, that kind of thing. And they're both just like, you know, it's fine, whatever. So but I'm not going to apologize for me doing something that I feel like I need to do for myself to just have a positive impact on myself mentally and emotionally. So I think that it's important that we do that. And so when we look at these situations, like I was talking about, where we're expected to do this labor, I think we need to reject that um, and instead pour into ourselves and do that labor for ourselves. So instead of me um, pouring into that foolishness and being like, oh, well, you know, kudos to you, Jamie. And yeah, I'll do the work. No, I'm like, what do I need to do for myself? What I need to do for myself may be I just need to decorate. I need to put up a Christmas tree and put up some stockings and shit. That's what I need to do for myself instead of doing all this labor, because that's what we're expected to do. And we do it so much. So I'm just like, I'm not doing that. I'm not. I'm just not. Um, instead, I really want to focus on um, bringing light into my life, bringing more light. I do have light in my life, but just bringing more light. I want to focus on joy and um, positivity and um, being able to sit with the bittersweetness of grief. I mean, it is bittersweet. Um, with my grandmother. Um, I mean, I love my grandmother and I'm glad she's not hurting anymore. So for that, like, I'm glad she's not just like, you know, I don't, it's, I miss her, but I don't want her to be here living like, and being like a shell of herself or not really enjoying her life and not have enjoying her life, just holding on, just to hold on. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not selfish in that way, but I still miss her. 
So I'm like, in terms of honoring that, I want to do things that, um, you know, incorporate things that remind me of her, um, but also just surround myself with like positivity and really um, be honest with myself about what I need and what my capacity is and what I can and cannot handle. And um, so that this season won't be um, a dark spot because there's been a lot that's gone on um, around this time, but I don't want it to be like a dark cloud. I want to infuse some joy. Um, even if I have to fake it till I make it, it's okay. <laughs> Um, so that's okay. You know, sometimes it's what we have to do, but, um, don't be afraid and don't be apologetic about doing what you have to do for yourself. That's my point. It may have taken me (laughs) a minute to get to it. Um, but yeah, that's my point. Reject the bullshit, reject, um, people's entitlement to your time, your labor, um, your mental and emotional capacity, reject that and pour into yourself and, um, choose you first, put yourself first. It's okay to do that. Um, and then center those who support you and who affirm you and who, um, you know, add to the positivity in your life. So that's what I'm focusing on. Um, another thing, too, is that I hope that, you know, one of the things that comes with the territory of being a queer person is that a lot of times our families are our chosen family. So I am really grateful that, I mean, my blood family is, you know, my close family are accepting and I was not um, ostracized or um, cast out of family for my queerness or anything like that. But I'm also grateful that I have a a robust, (laughs) a bomb chosen family as well. And so when I look at my family, I see my mother and, you know, my sisters and stuff like that. I see those core people, my cousins, my wife, but I also see my chosen family, my friends that have been in my life, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. Um, and so I think it's just really, I think it's something that's beautiful that we, um, a lot of times do as queer people, we do curate these chosen families. And so during this time, I think it's a great opportunity to, um, you know, just be reminded of, um, our gratitude for having that and celebrating with them. And I've really been trying to make it a point to let my people know, whether it's my blood or my chosen family that um how I feel about them, let them know I love them, I adore them, uh, let them know when they're on my mind, just things like that, because I think it is important for us to um, affirm each other in that way. And um this time of year is, you know, kind of, of course, it's a year round thing, you know, and I know, and I hate when people always be like, oh, well, do that year round. Yes, do it year round, but it's nothing wrong with it being acknowledged in this season. That's part of what this, what happens during the season. So We don't have to be so, quote unquote, woke that we just knock every damn thing. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think that it's really important to do that during the season. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, Just spending time with my loved ones, in-laws, friends, et cetera. Um, Yeah. But speaking of um, the people. So I was just talking about how people say when you say, oh, it's like, you know, the holiday season and folks talk about what they're grateful for. And people are like, oh, you should be like that year round or Valentine's Day. Oh, you should show that love year round. Yeah, you should. However, it's nothing wrong with acknowledging it at those times. And something that that reminds me of is that um, I just saw this post. Well, I saw this post within the last week and I see plenty of posts like this um, around this season. So after Halloween, you know, a lot of times um, a lot of times people will start with they just dive into Christmas, the Christmas spirit. So they'll start playing Christmas music. Um, You'll see the Christmas decorations come out. You know, those kinds of things. So, um, yeah, so it's like and typically sometimes it happens even before Halloween, but definitely after Halloween. But like before Thanksgiving, you'll start seeing that stuff out. And so people I keep that's when you start seeing that onslaught 
of posts where people are like, oh, folks are playing Christmas music already. Oh, my God. I don't want to hear this music. Why y'all playing Christmas music already? It's too early. It ain't even Thanksgiving yet. Y'all already putting up your tree. It ain't even Thanksgiving. Oh, my God. You know, it's that kind of thing. And which really, really bothers me because I'm like, why can't y'all just let people fucking enjoy things? Why can't people just enjoy things? If somebody want to put up their Christmas tree on November 1st, so what? In the grand scheme of things, too, what the fuck does it have to do with you? Like, how does it impact your life? It really um, is so interesting to me. The things that people get kind of their panties in a bunch over or just get all worked up over. And that's one of those things people really get um, really feel some kind of way about. It's November 12th and I hear Christmas music and OK, like, I don't know. Why can't people enjoy things? And my thing is, with all the things we have going on in our lives and in our world, if it brings someone joy to crank up that Boys to Men Christmas album or that Mariah Carey Christmas album um, and put up their tree, it's November 2nd and they trim in a tree and they listen to their music and drinking their eggnog. What is like? what's wrong with that what's wrong with that how is that I just don't understand like how is that negatively impacting anyone so what you walked in Macy's and heard some Christmas music and it ain't Thanksgiving yet so what so what you don't live in Macy's so you're not gonna hear it forever do your damn shopping and keep it moving so that really bothers me though it really bothers me that people cannot just enjoy things everything has to be a fucking issue um And it'd be some of the most personal things. I'm like, this has nothing to do with you. So why are you so pressed? Um, But as a black queer woman, there really is like the story of my life of when I look at all my intersections, um, there are so many cases of people being worried about shit that has to do with me that has nothing to do with them. And that's what our existence looks like as black women, as black queer people, as black people. So, you know, folks are like, oh, well, when people ask you intrusive questions, if if it's a trans person, they ask them intrusive questions about their body or if they're, you know, if you're LGBT or whatever, and they're asking intrusive questions about your sex life, all those kinds of things. It's the same sentiment of why won't you just let people live their lives? Why do you feel like you're entitled to have a say in everything? People think that they're entitled to have an opinion. Like they just get to have an opinion on everything. Um, Okay, but keep that shit to yourself, because honestly, the reality is you really don't get to have an opinion on somebody's humanity or just the things that bring them joy. Like, why do you even have an opinion? What the fuck does this have to do with your life? (laughs) Nothing. So I don't understand. It really blows my mind, y'all. Like, it really blows my mind that that that's how we operate, that we just feel like we have we're entitled to comment on every aspect of people's lives. Um, it really, really pisses me off. And it's just, and it blows my mind because I'm like, you know, that time and energy that you're putting into um, paying attention to what this person's doing, what they listen to, they put up their tree or who they fucking or whatever, that t- that energy could be better used elsewhere. Focus it on yourself. Invest it in your own damn interests instead of worrying about what this person got going on physically or what they got going on sexually or what they got going on this season because they ready to celebrate already instead of worrying about that worry about your damn self you can do that for the free (laughs) um it doesn't cost anything at all so anyway um i've been rambling so um yeah i guess that's my (laughs) my uh return from my hiatus is me just rambling and talking to y'all because it's been a minute and um yeah i really at this time i don't have much more to discuss like the i just wanted to come to you all and kind of let you know hey this is why i was gone And also just tell you some things that's been on my mind 
Um, and I do have some ideas for some upcoming episodes that I'm really excited about that I hope that um, you all like too. Something I do want to do, so I want to tell y'all because I want you to contribute. Um, I want to do love letters. So I want for people to send me their love letters. Um, I do have the BRQ Google Voice line. So you can either call and like say your letter, um, you know, on a recording so that I can play it. Or you can just send it to me and I'll read it. But the love letter doesn't only have to be romantic. It can be a love letter to a friend. It can be a love letter to a family member. It can be a love letter to someone that you admire, um, who you don't even know, but just someone who um, inspires you or who's a role model for you. Whatever the case, um, I just want to um, be able to have those and share those with listeners because I'm all about love. I know I am, you know, I be turned up and I'm all about, I'm radical for sure, but I'm radical in regards to love too. And so that's something I want to incorporate. So send me your love letters to whoever, whether it's your boo, whether whoever it is, you know, and I want to share those with um, the listeners. So um, even if it's to a parent, just whoever you want to share, you want to uh, tell them how you feel, um, just go ahead and send them my way. I'll read it or I'll play it and you can let them hear it. Um, And then the other listeners can hear it and we can give feedback and stuff and we can just hear that love. I love love. I'm all for it. Um, I love black love. I love queer love. I love, you know, agape love, platonic love, whatever. I'm all about love. And so I would really, really like to share that. Um, And so, yeah, so I want to do a segment called BRQ Love Letters, but I need you all. Can't do it by myself. (laughs) So I need you all's contribution. All right. So that is it for this episode of um, Ramblings by Javier Nicole (laughs) on Black Radical Queer Podcast. I appreciate all of you for listening. Um, I continue to be amazed by the support and by the number of downloads and by the number of people who uh, send me messages, just letting me know what the um, what the podcast means to them. And it really means a lot to me. So I appreciate that. I appreciate your feedback, um, your participation and your involvement, all that good stuff. So um, I'm back. Thank you for still rocking with me in the midst of a trying time in my life. And I just look forward to bringing you all some more content. Um, Make sure you're all caught up on the content that I already have and um, send me your stuff send me your love letters um, do your messages whatever it is like you can call in and that way I can play it on the air um, you know and you can be a part of the show too because it's not just me Um, I really do enjoy you know having guests and just involving you all um i like that interactiveness so yeah so just let me know how you want to get involved we have a few different ways that can happen and then your voice can be a part of brq as well because that's important to me all right y'all thank you so much for listening um thank you for uh bearing with me through my rambling (laughs) uh and i'll catch y'all next time bye Black Radical Queer Podcast is all about intersectionality and Black queer folks sharing our stories on our own terms. We navigate an array of identities and BRQ is an outlet where we can see the spectrum of those identities reflected, explored, and celebrated. Black Radical Queer is a main hustle media podcast hosted by Javia Nicole, produced and edited by Charmaine Johnson. Music is by publicity. You can find us on social media by looking up Black Rat Queer. It's B-L-K-R-A-D-Q-W-R. We are on um, Facebook as well as Instagram and Twitter. Same handle regardless at Black Rat Queer. B-L-K-R-A-D-Q-W-R. We also have a Facebook discussion group that's just called BRQ Discussion Group. And you can also listen wherever you get your podcast. So we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, Google Play, you know, all those types of things. And we have, you know, our home base 
That's on Lipson, so you can listen on there as well. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Make sure you come on back around next week to see uh, what we have for you. And all right, y'all, I'm out. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.